Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, John F. Kennedy, Tony Robbins, Michael Phelps, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. What else do they have in common? Well, they all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that, do you? You know what you hear even less about? The successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm an attorney, not a doctor, a lifelong student, not a coach. I'm also the creator of Cortography, a patent-pending system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your superpowers, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. My name is Tracy Atsuka. I'm the mother of two teenagers and wife of 20 plus years to my husband, Rich. And I live just north of San Francisco in the country in southern Sonoma County. I want to welcome you to our first episode of ADHD for Smartass Women. I am so delighted that you're here. I started this podcast because I have ADHD and I was so tired of hearing and learning about everything that's wrong with the ADD brain especially when I credit my ADHD for many of my superpowers, my skills, and my successes. I also feel that what we focus on just gets bigger, so instead I choose to spend my time in gratitude for the brain I have. That doesn't mean that we won't talk about challenges and workarounds to those challenges, but it does mean that I have a very different perspective on ADHD that really works for me, so I use it. My perspective is an evolutionary explanation for ADHD that comes from Thomas Hartman. Thomas Hartman is a former psychotherapist. He's written 24 plus books. Um, A lot of them have been on ADHD. He has a talk show or two, but he's also founded the Hunter School for Kids with ADHD. And he believes that ADHD is just a lack of adapting by hunters into farming societies. Hartman developed this idea after his own son was diagnosed with ADHD, and he's often, he often says, look, this isn't hard science, um, and it was never intended to be, but we've seen a lot of research come about lately that supports his genetic theory that ADHD is the result of evolution, and there really is nothing defective with people who have it. In fact, we may just be further evolved for the world we live in today than the neurotypical population. So let me tell you what the theory is. For thousands of years, humans were nomadic hunter-gatherers, but then agriculture developed and more people became farmers. Farming probably saved the human race, but those of us with ADHD were basically just leftover hunters. So what Hartman did is he created a list of classic ADHD symptoms and he compared them to a list of the characteristics of a good hunter. And guess what? They match almost perfectly. Think about it. If you have a short attention span and you hyper-focus, You'd be really good at constantly monitoring your environment so you have food to eat and you don't become another animal's dinner, 
right? You'd be able to see changes in the brush. You'd be able to hyper-focus on a particular spot where your dinner is likely to show up. And you'd be pretty good at making sure you don't die in the process. You know, if you're impulsive and you have a distorted sense of time, you'd also be able to throw yourself into a chase on a moment's notice, and you'd be attracted to variety, excitement, novelty, and danger. You'd have a lot less fear. If you don't follow directions, you'd also be independent. If you're a daydreamer, you'd be bored by mundane tasks. You'd love new ideas, and you'd love the excitement of the hunt. Now, the characteristics of a good farmer, they're completely consistent with a good farmer's survival. Farmers are cautious. They didn't need to hyperfocus. They're not distracted and they're able to sustain steady effort. They're organized and purposeful. They're good planners rather than fighters. And they have long-term strategies that they stick to. They have a good sense of time and schedules. They're patient. I mean, think about it. They can spend five months watching over their crops and they know that good things take time and so they're willing to wait. This patience, it translates well into our modern day corporate structures, don't you think? They're also team players who can follow directions. I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound like any person with ADD or ADHD that I know of. So the theory goes on that farming then led to industrialism, which required obedient, compliant workers, and that this is where our school system came from. You know, the goal of our schools was to prepare kids for the 20th century industrialized economy. It was designed to instill discipline and teach kids how to conform, not really how to learn. But what happens to the hunter child who looks out the window instead of paying attention in class? What happens to the hunter employee who's trying to fit into the farmer corporate world? Well, farmers get frustrated with you, right? They tell you that you're broken. They tell you need to go get yourself fixed. They tell you to get medicated. And I just don't believe any of that. I think that we need both hunters and farmers in society. The farmers aren't going to sense the impending invasion, and the hunters aren't going to pay attention long enough to tend to the crops. The hunter is differently skilled in a world that rewards the farmer, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, lucky for us hunters, the internet came along. And the internet is meant for hunters, not farmers. Farmers don't know what to do with the internet. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. Farmers know how to be compliant cogs in a corporate system. The internet scares the crap out of them. So you can either try and force yourself and your kids into a farming world if you're a hunter, or you can allow yourself and them to be who they really are, which is hunters. And I have to say that in my mind, most major innovation, most big ideas have come from hunters. I'm going to read you a list of those with ADHD, and I use the terms ADD and ADHD, you know, interchangeably. Let me start out with this list because we often don't hear about all the ADHD success stories. Okay. Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, Abraham Lincoln, Sir Isaac Newton, Henry Ford, JFK. Michael Phelps, Michael Jordan, Justin Timberlake, Will Smith, Jim Carrey, Terry Bradshaw, James Carville, David Neeleman, he's the JetBlue founder, Lisa Ling, Simon, Simone Biles, Serena Williams. You know, I think our founding fathers were also hunters. Who else would leave their entire family to get a, on a rickety boat, travel all the way across the world? 
other than a hunter. You know, our nation's culture is to ostracize those who don't fit in. We say we value renegades and rebels and people who think differently, but we really don't. What we value is sameness. Look at our schools, look at our workplace. You know, I got an ADHD diagnosis and the first thing that I was handed was a prescription. My son received an ADHD diagnosis and the first thing he was handed was a prescription. You know, I'm not against medication at all, but I am against it as the first line of defense because the message there is you're broken. Here, let's fix you. So now you know how I feel about ADHD and I hope it's okay if I tell you a little bit about myself. Everything that I'm going to mention has been chosen intentionally because it's one more thing that's connected me to my ADHD diagnosis. And I'm hoping that since I don't have your classic, you know, the classic ADHD symptoms, perhaps my story can help those women who are out there who've, who've been by and large very successful, but they've always felt different. They've known that there's just something wrong, but they don't know what it is. And they've never even thought that maybe it could be ADHD. Okay, so here I go. I'm the oldest of four children, and I was born to an upper-middle-class family. My dad was a dentist. My mother was in real estate. I loved grade school. I was in student government. I danced ballet five to six times a week. I played the piano and the cello, although I hated them. I had a messy bedroom, messy desk, messy backpack, and although I had good grades, my report cards always mentioned my chattiness and my inability to pay attention. I was a crafty girl who loved creating, and I especially loved summer because I could take sewing classes and knitting classes and art classes. I especially loved to cook. From as long as I can remember, I've been like a dog with a bone when there's something that I really want to do. I was entrepreneurial from the get-go. I started my first business at eight, selling Christmas cards door-to-door in January. Thankfully, my timing has improved since then. For the rest of my grade school years, I started all kinds of other little businesses. Now, ADHDers were famous for struggling with transitions, and I was no exception. My parents panicked and pulled me out of the public junior high school and sent me to a Catholic junior high school when my grades went from A's to B minuses in the first semester. I was 12, and that's when I first recall struggling with memorization. To this day, I have never been able to memorize a verse, let alone an entire song. I've never really been able to memorize much of anything. But before age 12, I actually had a great memory. I was the lead not only in English language plays, but also German language plays. And again, I was involved in student government where I remember giving a lot of memorized speeches. From there, I moved to the Catholic high school. From the junior high school, I moved to the Catholic high school that was affiliated with the junior high. It was an all-girls school, and it was fine, but in truth, I was totally disconnected. I was part of a group of friends who rarely participated in anything. Honestly, I think most of us had ADHD, and I just wanted to move on with my life and go to college. I did well in high school from a grade perspective, but with hindsight, I can tell today I was bored and I was unchallenged. You know, these weren't my people. I live to challenge the status quo, something I know today. But that's not something that Catholic schools often encourage. So here we go with another transition. I went to college and I almost flunked out. I was a pre-dentistry major. Whereas I had mostly A's in math and science in high school, I almost flunked those classes in college. 
And I quickly realized that if I stayed in my pre-dentistry major, I would not only flunk those classes, but I'd also flunk out of college. I also realized I had no aptitude nor interest in math or science. I mean, my thought was I was going to be a dentist because my dad was a dentist. So anyway, I changed my major and I did well for my remaining years in college. I then went to law school and I think I liked law school better than college, but I wasn't sure what kind of law I would practice. As an intern, I met a securities attorney and securities was one of the most difficult specialties in law. And that challenge appealed to me. So I took one class that just happened to be taught by the professor who wrote the book figuratively and literally on securities regulation. And with the help of that securities professor, I ended up applying for a master's in securities law at Georgetown. I was admitted to the program. This was the first time since grade school that I truly loved school. I took classes not only in securities regulation, but also entrepreneurship. And remember, I was born with that entrepreneurial DNA, something many of us with ADHD have. So when I graduated, I worked as a federal prosecutor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Anything in my job description that involved days of solitude, culling through boxes of financial documents, well, frankly, I sucked at it. I also hated meetings, something I hate with a passion to this day. Two years into my career at the SEC, a litigator from the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, showed up, and he became my mentor. He took me under his wing, and he made me realize what I was actually very good at, which was anything that required interacting with people like depositions. Still, I was kind of bored. You know, it wasn't that I hated law. I just couldn't imagine doing it for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to have a boss. I didn't want to have to put in the FaceTime. I wanted freedom. So I started my own business. I started a women's wear company. No experience, no training. I just jumped in and did it. And because I was a lawyer, I got a lot of publicity pretty quickly. And in a short period of time, our clothes were in Saks, Neiman Marcus, and Nordstrom around the country. I forgot to mention that I met my husband right before I left for Georgetown. And I proposed to him six months after we met. I flew a plane over Singing Beach in Manchester, Massachusetts, and I had already booked the church and the receptional hall. Does that sound like someone who has ADHD to you? (laughs) To this day, I will say that my biggest piece of advice to anyone with ADD or ADHD is this. 90% of anyone's happiness is who they marry. But for those of us with ADD, it is the most important decision that we will make in our life. You need to find someone who loves and supports you just the way you are. And if you find that relationship, I really believe that the sky is the limit. Look, you're going to be harder on yourself than anyone else. What you don't need is someone who piles into that. You need someone who believes in you. Okay, so kids. I never really wanted kids, but I also couldn't imagine getting older and not having kids. So I had my daughter. My husband and I had my daughter, and I couldn't believe how much I loved being a parent. Whereas a lot of moms that I knew were talking about how exhausting parenting was, I just honestly couldn't relate. For, for me, it was so fun. And what I missed the most about being the parent of young children was the absolute and utter chaos. I thrived on it. I loved the birthday parties, and I will tell you that no one throws a better party than an ADHD parent. I loved the activities. I loved the school events. I even loved the problems. Now, I had a husband who picked up most of the administrative details of parenting. 
And my purpose was to show people who they are and inspire them to be it. So where better than parenting could I do this? And so I think that that all accounts for the fact that for me, parenting was the easiest, most natural thing that I'd ever done. I loved kids and I think I love teenagers even more. So when my kids were young, I worked as a real estate broker and it was okay. When the real estate market crashed in 2007, I ended up representing dozens of banks selling their distressed properties. This was my most favorite job. It was high stimulation. I made citizens arrest. I often entered dangerous properties with civil standby. Now that means I had a sheriff accompany me. I sold properties in the best neighborhoods and I sold properties in the worst neighborhoods. So there was constant variety. And I really got to help people when the banks didn't care. It was the most satisfying work I have done up until this point. But what goes up goes down and what goes down goes back up. And that left me with my thoughts. You know, in a couple of years, my daughter was going to be going off to college. My son was going to be starting in high school. And here I was for the umpteenth time asking the same question, what am I going to do with my life? Which, if you have ADHD, you know that one of our biggest fears is that we won't live to our full potential. We're lifelong strivers and learners, and we're always trying to reach for that next big thing. And I was no different. I've been called ambitious, intense, motivated, very different than what you normally hear when you think about ADHD. So around then is when my son was diagnosed with ADHD. He was 12, the same age that I kind of remember having real um, serious ADHD symptoms. I do remember as a young child, you know, being chatty and hyper-focusing when there was something I was really interested in, but I didn't have symptoms that I struggled with until I think I was about 12. So anyway, my son, is named, his name is Marcus, and his therapist, when he was diagnosed, told me, his psychologist told me that my job as his mother was to reduce his expectations so he wouldn't be disappointed by life. Who in their right mind would tell their child that? And this was a psychologist who was probably in her mid-60s who had decades of experience and specifically experience on ADHD children. I didn't know anything about ADHD at that time, but what I was intuitively certain of was that she didn't know what the hell she was talking about. We ended up firing her. And guess what? Eight months later, I was diagnosed with ADHD. No surprise there because ADHD is as heritable as height. That's when it dawned on me that had my mother taken the same psychologist's advice when I was a child, I would have never made it through college or law school or graduate law school. That's when I decided to reinvent my son's ADHD and my own. You know, I'd been complaining about a foggy brain and memory issues and not feeling quite right for three plus years. You know, I kept thinking that maybe I had early onset dementia or Alzheimer's. In fact, the doctors tested me for Parkinson's. I didn't have it. I had been to my general doctor, my gynecologist, a naturopath, a hormone specialist who made everything worse by diagnosing me with a thyroid problem, which I didn't have. And she prescribed a drug called Cytomel, which put me into full-blown anxiety. Before this, I had never, ever had anxiety before. I was more likely the one who caused anxiety in other people. By then, I had spent thousands and thousands of dollars, but I still didn't know what the problem was. I even went to a psychologist thinking, I don't know, maybe I was just depressed. 
And you know what? I probably was because I felt like I had some kind of brain trauma. My whole personality was changing. I was an extreme extrovert and I was becoming much more introverted. I used to love to entertain and I could no longer follow the words on the pages of a cookbook. I would put a pot of water on the, on the stove and all of a sudden I would turn around and it was on fire. So I had always enjoyed hanging out with friends, but now I had no patience for small talk. So the psychologist that I went and talked to, she was some um, Asian, and she told me that as you age, life becomes less and less vibrant and the bloom goes off the rose. And because I too was Asian, maybe it was just this cultural thing that I expected perfection, but that just wasn't realistic anymore. And I remember walking out of her office thinking, well, at least I'm not depressed, but I still knew there was something else going on. The thing is that everyone just patted me on the head in this patronizing way that medical professionals have of dismissing women once they reach their mid-40s with a little, you know what, honey, it's just hormones. No one took me seriously. And I was one of these women who I'd never been sick with anything. I had never complained about anything. I never went to doctors other than for a yearly checkup. I did Bikram yoga five days a week. I worked out every morning. I ate really well. And you know what? I would have likely never figured it out had it not been for my son's diagnosis. But this is the thing about ADHD. Everyone's symptoms and traits look different, even in the same family. I had never really struggled in school. I mean, today I realize, well, it's because I worked a lot harder. And you know what? Girls tend to do more of that people-pleasing stuff than boys do. I couldn't see my son's diagnosis in myself at all. Until one day I was at the gym and I was reading, I wasn't reading, I was, I was listening to an audiobook. I barely read. <laughs> I was quote unquote reading, driven to distraction by Ed Hallowell and John Brady for the second time. And if you haven't read it, I love it because he has such a, a positive take on ADHD. He believes that um, we just have different traits than the neurotypical population. And so his book, Driven to Distraction, it's kind of, you know, the ADHD Bible. And I was reading this book for the second time, and I came across an account of a woman with ADHD who was successful. Then I read for the second time <laughs> that one of the traits of hyperactivity could be drivenness. That's when it became crystal clear as day. My son got his ADHD from me and probably me, my dad, and probably my brother, and maybe even my mom, but definitely it came from me. Of that, I was certain. And right then and there, I made the commitment to learn everything I could about what ADHD actually looked like in the real world. Because so many of the professionals I consulted with, they just didn't seem to have a clue. Beyond the misinformation, those that dispensed reputable advice seem to be nothing short of depressing. And I'm one of those irritatingly positive people who's always attempting to make lemonade out of lemons. I had ADHD after all. I did not have the bubonic plague. And like Hallowell and Rady, I see my ADHD as a series of traits. Sure, there are challenges, but as a whole, I feel like it's much more positive than negative and I would never trade it. I believe it is in large part responsible for my successes and it is who I am at my core. And so you know what? That's how ADHD for smart ass women evolved. 
I started with a Facebook group of the same name for smart, high-ability, ADD, ADHD women, whether they are diagnosed or just suspect that they might have it. Women really wanted this information and the connection with other women just like them. And over the years, I've discovered that ADHD women are my people. I love their energy, their sense of humor, their desire to constantly evolve and change and grow. They don't want to stay in the same place. They have this unflailing hunger to learn, not to mention a fearless brand of authenticity. We are often known for speaking up when perhaps we shouldn't. One other thing that I want to say is, you know, I had a man ask if smart-ass women, if he could join smart-ass women, he could join our Facebook group. And I told him no. The reason? Well, you constantly hear about the successful ADHD men. I read them all to you. But where I ask is the list of ADHD women. Why don't we hear more about them? I gave you a list of four. And two of those women were Britney Spears and Paris Hilton. Now, Britney Spears is actually extremely accomplished. You just hear a lot, and Paris Hilton probably too, but you hear about the struggles that they had with ADHD. You hear that a lot, you know, in the media. Okay, so anyway, Lisa Ling was on that list too, I believe. And she had ADHD, but the way she figured it out as well was by accident. She was doing a documentary on ADHD and discovered, oh my gosh, I have this too. And doesn't that make sense? I mean, if you're willing to go to a war zone to report, you know, you probably have that need for high stimulation. So my ADHD and most women's ADHD is discovered by accident after their kids are diagnosed. You know, this is after it's been missed for decades by doctors and teachers and counselors and coaches. In fact, 90% of women don't even know they have it. And only 1% of the ADHD research is actually focused on women. And guess what else? 98% of the research is conducted by the pharmaceutical companies. The resources, the podcasts, the research is by and large geared towards men. So we have to educate each other by comparing notes. And that's why I felt called to start this podcast. Let's help each other put this ADHD puzzle together in as positive a way as we can and with a sense of humor. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that you're here. And until next time, go out there and spy a happier life. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Edsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.